0: Welcome to the Low Carb Island Podcast with your hosts Derek Smith and Tulane Feeney answering all your questions about a low carb, high fat lifestyle.
1: Hey there, this is episode two of the Low Carb Island Podcast. I'm Tulane.
0: And I'm Derek. Welcome back for another episode. It's so great to have you here with us again. Who would have thought we'd be back for number two? Everyone. Yeah. Well, Amazing. Number one kind of went off. It was mind blowing. We are we are so humbled guys, by your support. Uh, The fact that within 24 hours, the Low Carb Island podcast was the number one health podcast in Australia.
1: Australia Australia-wide. I cannot tell you how shocked and so loved we felt from that.
0: Thank you. We're looking forward to 2015. I've got a feeling it's going to be an exciting year.
1: You guys have motivated us to really kickstart. Get that message out there. We're
0: on a roll. That's it. So not just the podcast, we've got some other things in the pipeline. We've got a book that we're starting to work on. Yes. and looking Starting at, to go. Yeah. Late this year, early next year, that'll hopefully be out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we're also going to be doing some community events because yes. we love meeting you guys in yeah, real life. Yeah.
1: Really realized that over the last couple of weeks, how much we enjoy just meeting people, the real stories, the testimonies we've been hearing have been phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Some of the lives totally changed, not just weight loss, but healings that people have been able to get by just nourishing their body with real good foods and good fats.
1: It's, it speaks for itself.
0: Yeah. So we're going to be running some breakfasts or brunches around yeah. the place. Breakfast by the Bay is yeah, going to be our so first one. Yes, we're going to start one. it
1: with the local thing. Get our community really going.
0: Yeah. So I'll be down there chefing up some bacon and eggs.
1: I'll be just talking.
0: <laughs> and enjoying the hollandaise.
1: Eric and his hollandaise. Yeah,
0: but it'll be great to meet some more of you guys in real life and, and answer some of your questions face-to-face. In ah, the meantime, we still have the podcast.
1: We do. And... Where we
0: will be answering listener questions every week.
1: Yep, so end of this episode, when we finish with an interview, make sure you're hanging around. You might hear your question.
0: That's it. Answered. We're going to get through a few of the sort of most popular or top questions each week. We're going to answer them live on the podcast.
1: Yep, and get some real stories in there too.
0: Yeah, so... Babe, you're pregnant at the moment, as most people here will know. Yep. How is that going?
1: It's going good. We've had a couple of little scares, nothing serious. Yep. Um, biggest thing, really, over the last week's been the anxiety. So I haven't had to experience that for at least a year. Mm. That's raised its head again. Some of the things I'd love to get into more, but just a quick rundown. I've had the lack of sleep, yep. the pregnancy hormones, full-time planning a study. Yep, planning the wedding. Um, so a lot of our free time has gone on to our passion and love for low carb yeah. island, but majority of our, any spare time, including sleep time yeah. has been making that go forward. So I've been aware of it. It's been the biggest change, I suppose, from when I've suffered it before being aware of it. Also doing some public talking. We'll get more into that in a minute.
0: Yeah. That'll, that'll up the anxiety a little bit.
1: Oh, just a tad. Little but bit the great panic. thing is,
0: like you said, the awareness is there and also you're able to control it now I without... Have. Drugs or No medications.
1: Medication. So I made a choice two days ago to really up my fat, see if that helped at all. And I'm happy to say it has helped tremendously. Absolutely. I had about 40 grams of butter just about 10 minutes ago on some cauliflower with my dinner just a tatter butter
0: yeah
1: um yeah so it was one of the things on the weekend
0: yeah we were down on the weekend at the fat revolution event that christine cronow and gary martin put on in brisbane biggest role model they're fantastic and we got to share down there for 10 minutes but i just enjoyed listening to christine sharing and and reminding us how important those saturated fats are
1: they yep it's it's been a testimony the last two days with me. Yeah. It's the anxiety has eased so much. It's also helped me be more stable and get that more sleep in. And, but yeah, talking at the event, such an honor, nerve wracking. Yeah, Well,
0: that was our first opportunity for a live, uh, Talk. We've done the podcast. Thank you. So many people. So many
1: people coming up to us. Selfie sticks. Yes. It was people everywhere. Cameras.
0: It was pretty awesome. You
1: guys were phenomenal. So that was
0: Saturday, and we both had a little go. But Sunday, Mm. I had a music gig down at the park, so I wasn't able to join you. What did you get up to?
1: I had to do a talking gig all on my lonesome. There was a clean eating talk that was held in Harvey Bay.
0: Hey, Jimmy Moore. What's up, guys? (laughs) Hey,
1: Jimmy.
2: Or should I say good eye?
0: Welcome back to the podcast, mate. Thank you so much for joining us again this episode, Jimmy. We had a brilliant response from the last episode. Oh, yeah. uh, Where we talked a little bit about low-carb, high-fat lifestyle. Yes. This week, I don't want to waste any time. I want to go a little bit deeper, jump right in and talk about a term that some people have heard of. Some people are even scared of it because of an association with another word that's a little bit similar. The K
2: word? The The K K word. word.
0: Ketosis. Nutritional ketosis or a ketogenic state. Yeah. Um, so now, you've, you've released a book last August called Keto Clarity, which offers a lot of clarity about a keto diet. Yep. Compared to just, you know, a low carb, high fat diet, what is, what is a ketogenic diet and what's the advantages of that?
2: So when I started Atkins back in 2004, it was pretty much uh, the plan was eat low carb, which Dr. Atkins recommended you started with 20 and work your way up from there, depending on your tolerance level. So he got that one dead right, yeah. um, but the the thing that I think he got wrong was he said eat unlimited amounts of protein and fat. Yes. And so left to their own devices, the dieter who has become fat phobic for generations, yes, <laughs> our, our whole lives. I mean, we've been had it hammered. Fat is bad. That's fat it. is bad. Fat is bad what did people obediently do and, and then call it the Atkins diet? They yep. ate chicken breast thinking protein. it was a health food. That's yeah. right. That's and that, exactly
0: I, I went on it as well um, a number of years ago. I've obviously tried a lot of diets, Weight Watchers, you know, Lean Cuisine, all the different things. Uh, and I did oh, Atkins yeah. and had the most success with that, but that was as a low-carb, high-protein style of yep. eating. And I, I dropped 20 kilograms on that but gained it all back when I couldn't One of the big things was the cravings for me. Um, Because I wasn't being satiated with the high fat, I got the cravings and I couldn't. My willpower ran out, um, which hasn't happened this year doing LCHF and living ketogenically. It's just phenomenal.
2: And therein lies the difference. So. A ketogenic diet is not a high-protein diet, even though you might hear in the mainstream press, oh, that low-carb, high-protein diet. That's one way to do a low-carb diet, but if you're trying to produce ketones, you actually have to cut off any source of glucose. So uh, I guess as as a primer on this whole discussion, we should probably say what ketosis is compared to what everybody else is doing. So when you're in a ketogenic state, you're actually burning fat and ketones for fuel. Mm. So most people walking around right now, probably 95 to 99% of the population is a sugar burner, a glucose burner. So they're using carbohydrates as their primary energy source. They also get some glucose from the protein they consume. So if you want to shift over to being a fat burner, burning fat and ketones for fuel, you have to cut off those sources of glucose. So glucose comes obviously from anything sugary. So sugar is the first obvious choice, but really any carbohydrate can turn to sugar in the body. And yes, even those so-called healthy carbohydrates, uh, Uh, healthy whole
0: grains. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah. they, They are especially dastardly and we could Definitely do a whole show just on whole grains and why they're horrible, but yeah, uh, you know, it, just anything that would turn to sugar in the body. So that's the carbohydrates. But then there's one that people don't realize, and you've already touched on it a little bit. But protein in excess of what your body needs can also turn to sugar in the body. There's this long G word we talk about in Keto Clarity called gluconeogenesis. So when you consume protein beyond what your body can use, there's no way for the body to store protein so guess what how it stores the excess it gets it converted through the liver into sugar into glucose yes. and then that gets in the bloodstream well guess what if you're trying to be ketogenic and you've got glucose in the bloodstream your ketones are going to go Yeah. you're not going to have any ketones. That's that's why moderating down on the protein is so critical. And then the last element is making sure since you're taking away carbohydrate and you're taking away some of the protein, you've got to replace those macronutrients with something. And the only something that's left is dietary fat. So it's those saturated and monounsaturated fats that we talked about earlier.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. And then the benefits of, Uh, living in a ketogenic state or a keto-adapted state. Some of the big ones I've noticed for myself is the appetite control, the hunger control, Um, and the weight loss is just effortless with it. You know, no, you're not having to go out and exercise. Obviously, there's a benefit of exercise, but what I've told a lot of people from my experience is the weight loss came and then the extra energy that I got made me actually become more physical. Uh, It wasn't the other way around.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah, mainstream uh, fitness and, and health culture says, oh, you must exercise till you drop to get healthy and lose weight. Uh no, I think you got it right. I think it's the other way around. Yeah. You know, because you will want to, and that was one of the things I didn't talk about during my initial story was I lost that uh, you know twelve or so kilo the first month, and I was so energetic after that first month, yep. I had to go to the gym to yep. get yep. the energy out, or I was going to strangle somebody. I mean, yeah, I, yeah I, that's I, it. I, it I could just... relate
1: a hundred percent. I was the same. I was like, I've never, I've never exercised. I actually ran on a beach. <laughs> I was like. I I yeah. have no choice. I yeah. need to sleep. Previously,
0: like when <laughs> Elaine was at her heaviest and and most ill, we tried to go on just a two k, just a slow walk, and yep. um, she literally thought had she was going to hospital. die. We, would, yeah. we had to take her to the hospital. Um, yeah. And yeah, now you'll and catch now me doing you'll catch sprints. Her running down the beach just <laughs> for fun. Just yeah, you know? with the
1: kids. But I have no choice. I say that to people. I'm like I I am still very much opposed exercise. It's it's my sort of dirty little secret. I. Do not like the thought of it. I like to be able to catch my breath easily. I'm not a fan of moving, <laughs> but I have no choice. No, if my it. children want to have me not bouncing off the walls and agitated, or if I want to just, I have this energy that I have to use. Yeah, it's yeah, and
0: mental clarity as well that comes with it. I mean, it's at the moment in Australia it's three thirty a.m. in the morning, but I think yeah, um, you know, you're just more switched on, uh, more cognitive awareness. It's fantastic. Thank you, by the way, for uh, being up at 3.30 dinner. Time. Oh, thank No you. problem. Gives me an excuse to have a bulletproof coffee. <laughs> now, keto- ketogenic, that sounds like a fairly modern word. Is this just a new trendy diet fad like the newspapers over here would have you believe?
2: Or are there um, you know, historical precedents for other cultures eating like this? Yeah, you know, when I was uh, doing my research for ketogenic diets, I did a whole experiment back in 2012 on nu- nutritional ketosis. Um, you know, I was looking for, yeah, that very thing. What What is the precedence for this? Has it been used before? And absolutely. I mean, for a very long time uh, before the advent of modern agriculture, pretty much the standard diet was Pretty much a low carb diet. Yes. Um, and even if you look back at some of the primitive cultures that have used uh diet uh, out of necessity. So I'm specifically talking about the Inuit Eskimos, for example. Yes. Um, in a an Arctic environment, can you grow any kind of vegetation of any sort? No, uh, that's it. and no.
0: If, if you do, it's very seasonal, you know, it's
2: not exactly year round, yeah. And so the only sources of nutrition that some people group in that kind of climate can deal with uh, tends to be very, very low in carbohydrates and very, very high in fat. So the Inuit Eskimos are are very famous for having seal blubber uh, and, and whale meat and that kind of thing as a normal part of their diet and very little vegetables and fruit and anything that would be, considered, you know, oh, you must have these to have a healthy diet. And yet their health was so robust. They had all those benefits you just talked about, you having the, you know, the increased energy, the satiety, mm. all of these, but the mental health aspects, I mean, that was a regular part. That was just normal for them. Yeah. And they did not suffer. And uh, Dr. Uh, Steve Finney was also at the Brisbane event that you attended, and he yeah. talked about um, how... Uh, there was this guy named Stefanson who mm-hmm. actually was put in a metabolic ward for a whole year. He purposely put himself in there after going to the Inuit and, and talking about the diet that they ate and that his health was fine. Yeah, they he didn't had believe himself him. committed. Yeah. They, they didn't believe him at all. So he had to or he didn't have to, but he chose to do this experiment where he was locked up Mm. for one year, and they controlled everything he ate and observed him, blah, blah, blah. And when he came out, he had no scurvy. He had no health issues in a negative way whatsoever, and they thought it was a failed experiment. (laughs) They fully expected him to get unhealthy, and yet here he was, was robust, eating over 80% of his diet as fat, hardly any carbohydrates, so... It's it's pretty fascinating when you see it through that perspective, and then you see uh, conditions like epilepsy mm-hmm. long being controlled with a ketogenic diet, and before the advent of insulin was was born in the, in the 1920s, uh, along came a low carb diet to kind of help control that in people with primarily type one diabetes. Um, it controlled it as best as they could, yes. but definitely type two diabetes, low carb was the way to control that long before the advent of insulin. Of course, insulin came along, was a lifesaver for type one diabetics worldwide, but type twos that take insulin, it just baffles me why they do that when they could control it very well with a well-formulated low carb ketogenic diet. Yes. yeah,
0: And now... Earlier, you mentioned a thing called keto flu, which a lot of people sort of get when they first uh, start to become keto adapted. A lot of people yep.
1: panic. We get a lot of panicked emails, actually. <laughs> they, they do. A lot um, of panic. We had
0: one just the other week. She said, look, I've started getting dizzy and um, is this the keto flu? I think I've had too much fat and now I'm in ketoacidosis. And I'm like, whoa, no, <laughs> calm down. Can you, Jimmy, can you explain what ketoacidosis is roughly and, and how that's not even, you know, on the chart for us? With this Yeah,
2: you, you know, I hammered this one really hard in my talk. It yeah, was, I, I get it all the time too, for uh, as you can imagine. So, yeah, so diabetic ketoacidosis is a very uh, serious issue. Yeah, you definitely do not want to have that happen. Um, if you're a type one diabetic, that's the only person, only people in the whole world this can happen to, is a type one diabetic, and so if they consume a high-carb meal, and then they don't take insulin, their body does a combination of three things. First, the blood sugar goes way up well in excess of 240, and I wish I could translate that. I think that's Mm 13-plus in your... Numbers. Yes. And then blood ketone levels also start to rise simultaneously, extremely high to the 20 millimolar level. Now, nutritional right. ketosis, what we're talking about is somewhere around one to three. Yes. <laughs> so yes. this is extremely high levels of blood ketones over 20. And then what happens when those two things happen is you have a high level of Acidosis start to happen in the blood, and at that point, that person's about to go into a coma and possibly die unless they get insulin and electrolytes uh, replenished pretty quickly. So that's a real dastardly thing, and unfortunately, in the context of ketones, that's what medical professionals are learning In their education, that ketone—the presence of ketones—is a bad thing. What they're not understanding, though, is the presence of ketones when done nutritionally through a low-carb diet is not a bad thing. So. Only if you're type 1 and only if you eat a high-carb diet and only if you don't take your insulin is this ever a dangerous problem. That person that emailed you said, oh, am I getting into ketoacidosis? If you're not type 1, no, you're not. And if you're eating low-carb, no, you're not. And if you are type 1 and you're and you're taking the right amount of insulin to cover any carbs that you are eating, no, you're not. So yep. hopefully that Excellent. puts it to rest.
0: Thank you so much for clearing that up, Jimmy. And then you said in there uh, between 1 and 3 millimolar of ketones is nutritional ketosis? Yeah,
2: it, it probably starts around 0.5, but I have found personally uh, in a meticulous testing for many years now that when i'm over 1.0 i'm really feeling those effects of the ketones so uh that that tends to be the better level
0: okay and in australia um we have access to the urine keto strips a lot of people use those but they're not necessarily the most accurate i've heard you say
2: yeah unfortunately with the urine strips uh, the keto sticks um they can be very useful when you first start yes but there's this uh incredible thing that happens as you become what we call keto adapted exactly. over a 2 to 4 week period um, the and I'm going to get a little geeky on you so uh, don't don't uh, get lost here but oh, I love the you're the I, I know you will but uh, you're a listener. <laughs> so uh, the urine ketone is called acetoacetate so the acetoacetate is what's measured and spilled over and you can measure on that keto stick. Well, what happens during the adaptation period when you keep eating low carb, moderate protein, high fat over that 2 to 4 week period, you'll probably some people will see their urine ketones, the acetoacetate completely disappear and they'll fig- they'll say what in the world is going on here? What am I doing wrong? Something's wrong. Well, no, something is extremely right. Yeah. And wh- what the right thing is is that acetoacetate is now being converted over into the blood ketone, which is where it's being used for fuel. And the blood ketone is called beta hydroxybutyrate. So you want levels of beta hydroxybutyrate to be higher. You don't necessarily want acetoacetate to be higher because, because that conversion takes it. place. Yeah. That's right. It's just spilling over. So. Yeah. So that's why I'm a big fan, and the gold standard of testing for ketones really is in the blood. So get yourself a Freestyle Optium meter. They're very ubiquitous there in Australia. And get you the strips. They're about $0.70 cents a piece or so. Yeah, we're, we're test- spoiled over here, apparently, with the per oh, per strips so spoiled. They're 5 to $6 in America wow. per, per, strip. per strip. Per-strip, yeah. wow. <laughs> I'm working on that, but man, oh, man, they're killing our pocketbooks. You have to be rich to do nutritional ketosis here, apparently. Yeah. So <sighs> do you find once you sort of learn the principles, you need to keep testing regularly or? No, no. no. And and that's the thing. And and there, there is one other um, ketone that we didn't talk about called acetone, and that's the one in the breath. And yes. There's a, a meter called ketonics that talked about it, yeah. and you can test for the presence of ketones in the breath. It's not nearly as accurate as blood, but it's a whole heck of a lot more accurate than urine. So, for about a 100- hundred. 50 or so dollars, you can get this little device. In fact, I think the low carb down just got some in, so you can order directly Fantastic. from their website if you want to get one. But for $150, you blow into this thing for about 10 seconds, and it gives you the level of ketones in the breath. And the breath ketones match up pretty closely with the blood ketones. So, uh, if you don't want to prick your finger and that freaks you out, or if you don't have a whole lot of money to spend on that kind of testing, definitely the breath is an alternative.
0: That's it. It looks great. It's a reusable device. So you purchase it once and you can
2: keep thousands using it. of times. That's it. And, and your question about, do you need to continue to test? No, you don't need to obsessively test. I, I did it for an experiment online. So I purposely did it morning and night and sometimes every hour on the hour for a whole year straight. Now you don't have to do that. I think no. after about, maybe a month and a half, two months, I pretty much knew where I was in ketosis almost by feeling. I almost could taste it in my mouth Mm. just how well I was doing. And plus, I know what to avoid and and how to make it happen. So once you tweak it, make it happen, I think maybe testing maybe once a week at that point uh, or maybe even on down the road once a month just to kind of keep an eye on how you're doing. Or if you just kind of feel like, you know, I'm not getting the results I have been getting, maybe just just sneak a peek every see once in a while and see how you do. And, of course, testing with the breath ketones, you could test every day and definitely keep a keen eye on it. It's kind of yeah, like definitely. weighing yourself. You don't want to necessarily do it every day, but you want to keep an eye on it. Yeah.
0: With the keto flu, Jimmy, uh, are there, you got any tips there um, how people can help sort of yeah. manage those symptoms?
2: Actually, what it is, it's not a flu, but it is uh, electrolyte imbalance. So. Right. When when you start on a ketogenic diet, a lot of people don't realize this, but you lose a ton of water. In fact, that's kind of one of the criticisms of a ketogenic diet is, well, it's just water weight. That's all you lose is water. Mm. And I'm going, so I lost 180 pounds of water. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. When you initially start, you do actually lose water. In the muscles, people don't realize this, but your muscles have what's called glycogen stores and glycogen is sugar, but there's also a whole lot of water in those muscles. So when you first start dumping the sugar out of your body by eating low carb, high fat and moderate protein, you're actually losing not just that sugar in the glycogen uh, or in the in the muscle stores, but also the water. So you have to replenish that water right away. So drink. That's probably why you'll pee a lot when you first start doing this too. Yes. And then you want to replenish also salt. To, so I'm a big fan of people taking some bone broth and mixing it with a lot of sea salt yeah. and drink that. It's, re, it's really nourishing anyway to do that, but it replenishes those salt stores. And then the last two elements of... Uh, getting keto flu under control is potassium and magnesium. So potassium, you guys can get it real easy uh, just by eating an avocado. There's twice as much potassium in one avocado as there is in one banana. So everybody thinks bananas for potassium, but get your potassium from avocados and you're good to go. And then supplement with magnesium and you should ward off all of those horrible horrible things that i had to deal with in 2004 that i wish i knew about yeah,
0: yeah. but no that's but that's some great information the
1: magnesium helps i had to yeah once yes. i introduced magnesium it made a huge difference to all that stuff for me and
0: not necessarily overindulging on water you know um, that was one of the things they said at low Carb down under uh drink when you're thirsty but you know yes. you don't need to be drinking gallons and gallons it'll actually dilute the amount of sodium in your body, if you're doing that, is that right? Have I got that right?
2: It'll it'll do that, and it also might even impact your ketone levels for, for the same reason. It will kind of dilute the amount of water, makes uh, more water in the blood, so therefore whatever ketones are in there gets diluted. So, yeah, so f- yeah, definitely one of the mantras of my co-author, and we hadn't talked about him yet, but his name is Dr. Eric Westman. He's a world-renowned researcher and practitioner at Duke University in North Carolina. And and he has this uh, sign on his wall. I've actually been in his patient rooms and it says it's really profound. Eat when hungry, yes, drink when thirsty. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's a revelation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what a revelation. I mean it's such a simple
0: notion, but our bodies are good at telling us once once they're in a healthy state, they're good at telling us what they're after. Yeah. You know, food wise and uh, nourishment wise. And uh, yeah, just listening to your body when you're hungry, getting out of that whole concept that you've got to eat at specific meal times and you've got a snack. Uh, One of the questions I get asked a lot from people who are just starting out is, can you give me a sample of your weekly meal plan, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks? Uh... I'm like, to be honest, you know, I don't eat as often as a lot of people do. Um, Intermittent fasting is something that's really beneficial. But for me, it just happened uh, naturally, organically, because you're satisfied. Your body's got the fuel. It's got the nutrition And you don't even think, oh, what's my next meal?
2: Yeah, I think that was the biggest shock. You know, we have so grown accustomed to breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, midnight snack. And in fact, here in America, there's a popular chain of restaurants called Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. And they actually promoted on their commercials the midnight snack as the fourth meal. Oh, wow. Wow. I eat maybe one or two meals a day now, and so the idea of a fourth meal plus all those snacks... The reason they have to push all of these snacking in between, and dietitians do this, snacking in between meals is you're friggin' hungry because you're stoking that flame. Yeah. When you become a fat burner, as you've stated so eloquently, you don't have to eat as often and you feel extremely satisfied between meals. Yeah. One of the analogies I heard um, with our bodies
0: being like a hybrid engine. Is that you can have a fire running on like logs, or you can have a fire running on twigs and kindling. And when you're yep. throwing on little twigs and kindling, it might flare up well, but it's going to burn out quick. And that's sort of like how carbs work in our body. Whereas that's fat right. is like putting a log on the fire and you'll just get a good, steady flow of energy throughout the day.
2: That's a Nora Giggowdis thing. She really is fond of using that analogy. And I love that.
0: Hey, Jimmy, that's another episode's already gotten away from us, but thank cool. you so much for joining us today. Before we say bye, Can you let everyone at home know where they can get a hold of your books, Cholesterol
2: Clarity, and especially Keto Clarity? Yep. In Kindle form, it's on Amazon Australia. Um, It's been rocking the top of the nutrition charts there. But you can get it from anywhere. I know the lowcarbdownunder.com.au also was bringing in more copies of uh, the hardback copy of Keto Clarity. Um, if you like audiobooks, I also, um, since I'm a podcaster and people know my voice, I also uh, recorded the audiobook version that you can get from Amazon.com and Audible.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to check those out, Jimmy, and I'll put the links in the show notes so everyone can find them nice and easy. Thank you so much for your time today, mate.
1: Thank you, Jimmy.
0: What a brilliant episode. Just recapping, today we talked about ketosis. That's when we're burning fat and we're burning ketones for fuel instead of- Sugar. That's right. Get rid of that dastardly sugar and our bodies function so much better. We're going to lose the weight. We're going to have so much more energy and so many things are just going to heal naturally. Things that you don't even know are wrong with you until you start eating this way and you ha- hey, I've got rid of the heartburn. I've got rid of the eczema. It's just phenomenal. It this is. way of eating. And how do we stay in a ketogenic state?
1: So we cut off the sources of glucose
0: Yep, which is sugar and wheat and high fructose fruits Even excess protein
1: Yep, that can lead to more Can turn into
0: glucose in the blood if we have too much there So that's great. And something came up about exercise. Do we need to exercise to lose the weight?
1: No, I think it's, as both of us have experienced, that comes as you start to burn ketones instead of glucose. That's
0: right. You've got so much more energy and the weight starts dropping and you're feeling so amazing that... You will. You'll go and become more active. You
1: have no choice.
0: That's it. We've started paddleboarding and swimming and jet skiing and all this stuff. We used to convince ourselves, oh, we're not that kind of people. We just like to sit on the couch and watch tally. And Eat food. We're quiet homebodies. You yeah. Know, no, we were just eating sugar and, you know, like hibernated state like bears. It was ridiculous. But now, little kids. Keto energizer bunnies.
1: We are.
0: Anyway, I've gone off track there, but we talked about keto flu.
1: Yep. In Just this episode, a quick points that will help you with that. So, keeping your water up. Yes. Replenishing with the salt. So, yep. bone broth is a great source. Yep. Himalayan, Himalayan salt. sea salt. Yep potassium uh that's from our avocados actually has double than bananas we learned yeah and supplement with magnesium which is a huge tool i use for myself
0: brilliant and so that's very important as well when you're starting off in this way of eating uh, because like jimmy said you will lose some of that water there um, along with the glycogen so that's brilliant well we've got time for three listener questions Ooh. i think the first listener question comes from lisa and lisa says how do you stop overeating and getting fatter on this diet
1: Uh by eating fat. Yeah. So eating doesn't that blow your mind? Get you fat.
0: No, eating fat will not get you fat. Your body will not take the fat you're eating and store it as fat. It just won't happen.
1: No, it won't.
0: Um, one of the examples I actually used on the weekend at Christine's fat revolution, have you ever, um, had too much coconut oil? And if you do, you'll have heard of a thing. We like to call it disaster pants, because uh, if you have too much fat too quickly with your nothing else,
1: just won't it'll just it will just pass
0: through. You can work out what that means. But your body won't store the fat. So... How do you stop overeating? Eat lots of fat. It will keep you satiated. It will keep you nourished and you won't be craving. It
1: makes a huge difference. Even earlier, you heard me say that with my anxiety, I've upped the fat. The tools you get from it to assist you include preventing that hungry craving feeling. And being a food addict, I know it well.
0: That's it. So it seems counterintuitive, but Lisa, that's what you need to do. Just up those fats and you'll be kicking butt. Now, Marta asks, how do you deal with relatives who mock the way you eat every time you have a meal together?
1: Let yourself be the answer. Make sure you get your blood tests, make sure you're doing tests and monitoring yourself, and it will answer for you. You yeah. can't convince someone to accept something that they have been told for years is unhealthy overnight. No. So you will get mocked. And you have to remember people come from their own issues. Let them know why you're doing it, health benefits, etc. Give them some resources, send them our way.
0: That's it. And you might have to sort of just have a thick skin for a few weeks, maybe a couple of months, but they will start to notice. This happened with me at my workplace. A lot of the guys would mock it. And then a couple of months later, they're pulling me behind the crib hut on our breaks and saying, mate, can you tell me about this diet you're on? You've dropped all this weight. You're looking good. You know, they want to know about it, but it's just such a paradigm shift that it's hard for them to get their head around it. So let yourself be the example.
1: Not a week goes by without someone wanting to debate with me or fight or mock what I'm doing. And I don't get drawn into it. I just give them the card with our information yep. and I let my story do the talking. That's it. And some people aren't ever going to accept it. And that's okay. That's it's what society done with what we've been told.
0: Yeah, great question, Marta. And last question for episode number two, Jessica asks, and here's a big one. We like Jessica. She's asked, "How do you deal with stalls, uh, especially from an emotional point of view, babe?" Do you want to handle that one?
1: With some tears, (laughs) no. Um, it's hard. There's times when you get stalls and the frustration kicks in. It gets easier as time gets by and you learn to read your body. So. I now just assess. I get frustrated at it when I stall and even gain sometimes, but I'm easily able to see why that's happened. Yeah. I might have portions have got bigger, might've slipped here and there, might be being lazy.
0: It could just even be a season when your body needs to heal. Exactly. Um, There's different reasons for a stall, but a wise person once told me, keep your eye on the tides and not the waves. So things will go up and down and up and down, but Where is it going overall? And if you're, number one, if you're not gaining, you're already ahead of yourself because most people gain every year. That's how we've gotten overweight in the first place, just little gains sneaking up. So if you're not gaining, you're already on top of it. And then any loss is a victory. Let your body heal. Look at all the benefits other than the weight loss.
1: And let yourself be emotional. Yeah. Those days happen and sometimes that stall is what triggers it and I have a book day. I let myself have a quiet day where I do nothing and I have a bit of a pity party. Yeah. Next day I pick myself back up, but don't stop those emotions as part of the journey.
0: That's it. And that's that's one of the benefits as well of this supportive community we've got out there. So find like-minded people and get together with them. Have some low-carb, high-fat dinners or brunches and just share the, share the journey and share your story. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us today on episode two of the Low Carb Island podcast.
1: Thanks for your support.
0: Yeah, you guys are awesome. And we look forward to bringing you another episode in a couple of weeks' time. You've been listening to the Low Carb Island podcast with your hosts, Derek Smith and Tulane Feeney. For more information on anything in today's show, visit lowcarbisland.com. And until next time, viva la fat!